Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. And of course, welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. I feel naked without my glasses. I forgot them at home. Dr. Jay Lipoff and I were talking about uh, nightmare stories with our kids. Uh, his kids were threatening to uh, streak across the screen <laughs> naked. That is why he is uh, coming to us from his dental office in Kentucky. Uh, on a serious note, Charlie Adelson, who's a former friend of both of these gentlemen, he is the wealthy South Florida periodontist who managed to elude justice for nine plus years in the 2014 killing of Florida State law professor Dan Markell. He was convicted a couple of weeks ago of first degree murder and other serious charges. His sentencing is set for December 12th. He is all but certain to face the rest of his natural life in state prison saying that makes my palms sweat even more than the deep cleaning I just had on my upper and bottom teeth, which is what Jay Lipoff's lovely wife does. The dentist and the hygienist would be the name of their podcast. Um, but I feel good, man. I got that plaque off um, exactly one week after Charlie's conviction. Donna Sue Adelson is arrested here in Miami trying to flee the country via Dubai to Vietnam. It was a no-go. They let her go through the jetway. She thought she was in the clear. Lo and behold, they arrest her. They seize her cell phone. And I think that is very, very frightening news for Wendy Adelson in particular. Uh, it is my belief, no one else's, that she has something to do with this. And I think the authorities are onto her and it will be a matter of time I had Ruth Markell on the show on Wednesday. It's a double-edged sword because she's also the mother of the kids, Benjamin and Lincoln, and of course Ruth, Phil, and Shelley's uh, Ruth and Phil's grandchildren and Shelley's nephews. And so, what would happen um, if Wendy is ever indicted or faces a trial? Of course, uh, we are talking about Charlie Adelson today. We have two of his former good friends on. You've got. Dr. Jay Lipoff, who is a pediatric pediatric dentist, and you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's been on before. And I took some questions from the audience, but we're going to just make this a little informal, uh, giving thanks this weekend. Jay Lipoff, to you, how did you know Charlie? You don't you haven't met Ryan till tonight, um, but tell us a little bit about the backstory. So Charlie and I, we, I went to dental school with Charlie. Um, and he uh, he actually was uh, what sat really close to me. He was one of my lab partners um, for uh, I remember like first year of dental school when we were doing our wax ups, and that's like how like we first like became like little cohorts. Um, and he was just like myself in the class. Like we were both really big jokers, and um, it's 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 kind of amazing because when all of this evolved, it's close to Ryan who knew him closer to all of this happening. You know, I knew him from 99 to 2003. And I remember telling him like, I, I would never have even thought that, that things would morph into what he had become. Um, because when I knew him, I mean, yeah, he was kind of like that guy. Like, and I used to call him Chuck, by the way, like from like Charlie Brown. Um, I used to call him Chuck. And he was, he never took himself seriously. Um, I never see him really get angry. He was always 
you know, people would kind of joke about him, whether he was kind of looking for answers on a test or he, he was like late on getting something in, just like anybody else. But like he would give people crap and uh, people would give him crap. And he just never really, he was never really, it was, it was all just kind of, um, it, it was all kind of like a joke. He never really got angry. I never really saw him get, get upset. Um, he was just really fun to be around. I mean, he was kind of a, always the life of the party. Um, and, do, you remember, um, do you remember the first time that you guys actually met? Uh, can you kind of, yeah. yeah, tell me about that. Um, I remember our first orientation um, and we're all kind of sitting in a room and I remember to the right and saying to uh, who had become one of my friends, Richard, I'm like, that guy's got really big elbows. And that was my first introduction to Charlie. I'm like, and I went up to him. I'm like, where are you? What's going on with those elbows? And I guess he played tennis or something like that. So, but that was like my first time meeting him. And I was like, I'm like, I need to hang out with you. I'm like, you work out. And uh, that was, uh, that was like our, our, our first meeting. And um, he just, uh, then of course, over the years, you know, our personalities developed, but it was like, it was like one of the first time you're kind of just drawn to him because he's just like a funny guy. He's also a pretty big guy. Like there's a, there is a little bit of a presence. When I saw him in court, I was actually surprised by that being, um, to use the word, a nebbishy Jewish guy, which is what I am, kind of a nerdy Jewish guy. Uh, although, you know, I'm 5'10", 5'11". I thought Charlie was going to be my size, but he was a big guy. He's like 6'2", and he's meaty, as I like to describe him. Ryan Fitzpatrick, you're a big dude. I would definitely not mess with you. How did you first meet Charlie. Tell us about that and what your very first thoughts were when you did meet him. Uh, you know, I, like I've said before, I mean, I, I met Charlie through a lot of mutual friends from college and uh, kind of like what Dr. J said, uh, you're just drawn to him. Uh, he, you know, until, you know, post-incident dates, uh, really was never stressed out, really was fun to be around. Uh, kind of like a wisecracker, had funny one-liners. Uh, you know, he had a good smile. We, like Dr. J said, just fun to be around. So for this to, as you said, Dr. J, morph into this, yeah, it's still, I, I, uh, I can't believe it. it. You know, um, I mean, obviously testifying multiple times, you know, talking to Joel and um, Tim and, and the people I've been fortunate enough to talk to and, and learn from uh, about this case. Yeah, it's definitely real now. And I think, uh, you know, a week after Charlie got convicted and Donna getting apprehended at the Miami airport, yeah, it's fallen into place the way probably most of us thought it should have a long time ago. And it just goes to show you, you never know what is going on behind closed doors and where evil lurks. But obviously, there were very evil intentions here. We're going to get to that. Uh, in just one moment, Dr. J, you went to McGill. That's basically the Harvard of Canada. That's not where Charlie went. How was he as a student? Was he uh, cheating off of you? Was he looking? And by the way, Ryan Fitzpatrick's father was a criminal defense attorney. Ryan knows a thing or two about the law through osmosis. But Jay, to you, um, what was he like in school? Um, I mean, I would say um, at, at the end of the day, I had actually asked some of my friends because I couldn't remember about, you know, the rumor of, uh, you know, people boycotting graduation, uh, you know, if you graduate. And, you know, I think that I don't really remember that accurately happening, but I do remember that there were some of the gunners in our class that um, thought that 
some people who are just kind of like skating by with competencies. And I think that Charlie kind of was what was uh, was one of them. Um, and I don't really know the not because of the lack of skill. I just think that um, it, things just became, things just came a little bit harder. I think to him, you know, he had to put a lot a lot more work into certain areas. I think of uh, you know in in dental school, and I think that um, you know you'd ask about cheating things like that. Um, I think that he he was never shy about asking for other people's notes and asking, which isn't necessarily a bad, a bad thing. Some people like they, they have like too much pride to like ask for other people's help when he had no problem asking for, uh, you know, other people to, he, I, I'm trying to like, how do I phrase it? He, he had, had no problem being the um, quote unquote, the person who didn't know enough where as opposed to like me, like in my residency, I would like never want to ask anybody for help because that would like admit that I didn't know it. That makes sense. And Charlie had no problem doing that. He was like okay with that, which is um, which was interesting because like I was the opposite. Where like I would not want anybody to know that I did that like I needed help. And, and I know. Yeah, go I ahead, Ryan. No, go do ahead, you, man. You know, this is interesting. I was thinking about it, and it, you know, when as time progresses and, and you start talking about people and situations, it starts recollecting things in your mind. Jay, did you know anything about? his accusations in dental school or how he got through dental school or some kind of like blackmail or something like he got in trouble and there was like a sexual harassment uh, case. Wait, is that was Dr. Galen or um, I, I'm asking. I just, I don't know. I'm just, uh, so I remember asking about hearing about it, but not when it was happening. I remember like a- after the fact and nobody could really tell me, um, if there was really any truth to, um, you know, certain things with whether it was graduating or, um, and I know that there was like a lot of ties. I know Dr. Dr. Galen was good friends with Charlie's dad. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of nefarious things that go on with, in a lot of schools in higher education. Um, and in this specific situation, like for instance, getting into his period residency, I mean, I'm sure there were some phone calls made and things like that, um, but I don't really know any specifics in terms of um, the sexual harassment. Um, and, and I did ask around, but nobody really could be nobody's talking. But right. yeah, and it's interesting. I have, ne- to be honest, never heard of that. The story that I heard from dental school, Doctor mm-hmm. J, is he got in some sort of argument with somebody, basically punched someone in the face, and at graduation everyone turned their back to him. Is there any veracity to that story? I don't think so. Um, That's a story that was going around. I believe that was in dental school. It could have been college. Uh, Ryan, have you ever heard of anything along those lines? I haven't heard about the fight, but I, I, I mean, like he said, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of nepotism or something getting him into the Perio residency. I just thought there was some weird, peculiar story about sexual harassment and a professor or something that, kind of catapulted him in with mediocre grades into getting accepted into the program. And I'm, I'm completely speculating on things I thought I heard in the past. So I'm not, you know, maybe uh, someone could do some research on it or something. Yeah, I'd be curious. STS nation, let us know surviving the survivor at gmail.com. But Dr. J just to that point to put a bow on it. Had you heard these sorts of things about a possible sexual harassment allegation? I, I did. Um, but 
you know, I'm always very careful. Like I never, you know, even if it was true, I'm very careful not to kind of repeat some of that stuff. And, um, uh, but I actually don't know if it was, if it was true. Um, and, um, I do know that there was, I actually thought that, that Dr. Galen, who was actually, he became the Dean, but at the time, I think he was the director of the Perio residency. Um, I just thought it was his uncle, I guess it was just his godfather. Um, but I do know that something happened. What's that? A little bit of nepotism there, huh? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I don't really know, um, you know, and, you know, and, and kind of like to that point of, um, you know, at the time when you look at, and this kind of goes back to like how kind of people morph into, you know, just something, um, something different, let's just say. And back when he was in his para-residency, you know, as opposed to why, like, I, I knew him as, when I looked at him, I remember when I came back to my, Florida and I did my para-residency, res, my and I had to hang out with Charlie a couple times. So by that time, he was already being, he was really successful, and I heard about that. Um, and I thought that it was, like he just worked his butt off. Like he is, you know, yeah, he, you know, was not maybe, you know, was at the bottom of the class, but somehow made it happen. And he's now kind of like, this is it, it, him having a Ferrari and everything was totally congruent with his personality. Right. It wasn't like he was trying to be, show, it was, that was him. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know? And, and to um, that point, just, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dr. J. No, no, that, no that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and Ryan, to you, I know you're not a psychologist, and Dr. J is a uh, periodontist, pediatric. Um, but Ryan, he's been described as a narcissist, as maybe a sociopath. He had a Ferrari with a license plate maestro. Did you have? Did you ever see any of these tendencies where he didn't like show guilt? Did he always want to be the center of attention? Didn't really care beyond that. Is there any way to I mean, describe I, it? Absolutely. Um... You know, you never really know that you're dealing with a narcissist probably until it's over. And I think that's what narcissists specialize. Uh, you know, every time I start doing podcasts with you, you start saying narcissist, everything on my TikTok is like motivational videos, how to deal with a narcissist. And I'm like, oh, my God. That was an <laughs> the, the, phone, the phone is listening. I yeah, write about that in you know, my book. My mother's terrified of that. Um, yeah, I guess it's, I mean, it, it, even if you look at behaviors, like Dr. J said, I mean, if there was nepotism that catapulted him into the program, if there was something that got him into dental school, maybe it's, it doesn't matter what I do kind of attitude, it's going to work out for me anyway, either because I'm, you know, wealthy or good looking or, you know what I mean? And it became, I guess, a mindset, obviously, because this is the most ridiculous caper they tried to pull off it and i mean anybody with a half a brain looks at it and goes i mean what you know you have to respect what the prosecution and investigators have done to get us all to this point but the last nine and a half years you kind of scratch your head and go i mean what does it take to get a conviction and apparently it's a lot you know um but yeah i mean as far as the psychological profile i guess you could definitely say it falls under the category of narcissism or you know sociopath and maybe both and uh, takes nine plus years for the uh, Markels to get some justice in this case in terms of any of the Adelson family members. Looks like Donna is next. I'm convinced Wendy will be after that. Dr. J, let's go back in time to 
July 18th, 2014, you know, where were you in your life at that point? And do you remember getting the news about this murder and having any connection? When did you first find out the Adelsons had some sort of connection? So, well, I, I'll tell you, I mean, fast forwarding to that, I mean, the, the morning that Charlie was arrested, um, uh, quite a few of my, uh, my friends that I went to middle school with sent me. And I remember I was sitting right there in that chair seeing a patient. And I'm getting bing, 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 bing. And they're all, it's all Charlie's picture. Wow. And I'm just like, it's funny. I'm like, there's a three-year-old in the chair. And I'm like, what the? I'm like, excuse me for one second. <laughs> um, so I, I do remember that I'm in 2014. So I was, um, uh, so I was here. And I, you know, it's funny. I think that I remember when that, I, I think it was a couple of months. And then I ran into somebody and they kind of were saying about, so not when it happened, but it was like a couple months afterwards that someone had mentioned the connection. Um, and it was funny because immediately afterwards, I remember I was like talking to my mom and, you know, I've got like a, you know, like a, a New York Jewish family. And uh, it, I was like kind of talking about that. And I'm like, um, I'm like, I wonder if the family's involved. I'm like, this is so bizarre, you know, but it's, it's, it's like, it's something that, you know, I mean, you know, my mom is not a, a, a like a, a Yenta mom, but my grandma is. And it's funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she would definitely be like a, like a grandma Gotti. And it's so bizarre. Like, you know, you ask yourself how, like, how could that happen? And um, the only thing that I can say is, is that when you've got this, like, really strong, it's like do, do it being Jewish, but this really strong kind of family tie and then completely separating yourself from what the actual event was, you know, I mean, I, you know, I know none of my friends around here are, I have friends of mine that still live in South Florida that kind of have that kind of like superstar attitude. They're never going to be married. They have a ton of money and it's, you know, I don't know if it's all narcissism, if it's, but it's just like certain personality and um, where do they really know what's like that someone you're killing someone. Like it's it's not just like in a movie. Like it's yeah, really grasping. It's, it's so, you know. It's impossible for any rational person like the three of us to wrap your head around that. Ryan, I know you traveled extensively with Charlie and you know, he was buying drinks and having fun like a lot of guys your age at the time do. Uh so we can't hold that I against wish I was you. Yeah. <laughs> Can't hold that against you. Um, you know, but how about you? You know, the day that Charlie's arrested, what kind of, were you guys still on good terms at that point? I believe. No, we weren't, but I do recall vividly the day Katie was arrested. I was with Charlie, um, man. And that, you know, and I read, tell us, tell the, us, walk us through that. Where were you? Where were they? We were in a, uh, he was doing surgery in a dental office. And at the time, I was using the uh, surgical center in the back for like kind of a makeshift office for Charlie and I's business. And, um, you know, I read some of the comments uh, of what people wanted to ask Jay and I briefly uh, when I was getting gas on the way home across the state today. And um, one uh, follower asked, at what point did you realize, like, wait a second, this, this isn't right. And I think it was that day that Katie got arrested and he, I mean, to the extent of almost walking away in the middle of a surgery to leave and got in his Mercedes and took off. And 
it was just you know so you, so you could see like you could see a visible change in his affect oh, the minute he oh, got absolutely. the news absolutely and it, it was at that point i was like <laughs> this isn't good you know but then you know you're wrapped up in a business someone's telling you constantly that you trust and you you know associate with and you you care about them and your family you spend a lot of time with them so you know you want to believe them but then I mean, common sense and logic prevails all, and you just start going like, good Lord, this is – and you slowly separate yourself because, I mean, you don't want to be next, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it was never like I worried about that, but it was just – Yeah. It, it changed It changed drastically after the day Katie got arrested. I think and that's when he realized he was going to get caught. Ultimately, you two have a falling out. Tell us when that happened, why it happened, and then uh, we'll get to the arrest. That was probably June or July 2018. So that's pretty much um, the last time I really remember speaking to him. And if, you know, you want to revisit my colorful text messages that I sent taken out of context, that that was the end. Of, that was pretty much the end of it. But, um, you know, I, I will tell you, you know, when we traveled abroad, people ask me, like, what did you guys do in the Philippines? What did you guys do over here? What did you guys do over there? You know, you're talking about a place on the other side of the earth with some of the most beautiful beaches on earth. And one one memory that does pop out was New Year's Eve. I believe it. Yeah, it was New Year's Eve 2016. So January 1st, 2016. We actually spent the night at uh, one of our friends' uh, nightclubs in Manila at the City of Dreams Casino in Manila. And at our table sat uh, 2015 Miss Universe. Uh, from the Philippines. So those were kind of the things that we did hanging out with Charlie and, and myself at the time. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a good time. And when you're hanging out with Miss Universe in Manila on New Year's Eve, you're not really thinking about <laughs> anything else other than, you know, the moment. So, I, I mean, I got to ask a tough question, not of you, but of Charlie. I don't care about your business, no offense. But Charlie, did he, a lot of people are asking, did he have a predilection for young, for underage girls. Is that why he traveled to those places? I, I don't know anything about that. We went to the Philippines because a buddy of ours from Miami worked for a group that opened up nightclubs in casinos all over the world. That's why we went. Uh, what he did when I wasn't around is I, I, I can't comment on. I know, you know, that's not something I'm interested in, obviously. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know Thank, anything about th that. Thankfully, Ryan, you're not interested yeah. in that. Uh, Dr. J, so back to you're sitting, uh, you're working on a three year old in the chair, and you start getting a gazillion text messages. I assume you reach out to some old dental school friends. I mean, what was going through your mind at that point? Then it's like the rubber meets the road. This is real. This is serious. Your reaction at that point. So it was funny. Every, everybody that, um, that I talked to was, you know, like they were not surprised. Um, you know, they thought it was just a matter of time before Charlie was arrested. Um, and, you know, I'm always a glass is half full. Um, so, you know, obviously I, I think that they were involved. Um, you know, I look at it from a, you know, immediately I look at this picture and again, because I, I see myself like, you know, I went the pediatric dental route and, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, a similar route and um you know worked hard and also come from a, a jewish family and um it's kind of like what you were saying ryan in terms of um how his demeanor and everything changed like right after katie got arrested and i think like when everything sank in 
like, oh my God, like all of a sudden it's like, you just like feel like you're going to pass out. Like what's going to happen in my life? And I think that I looked at his like mugshot and I'm like, it's, did he really, you know, he's not a career criminal. I think that he's got yeah, aspects of his, uh, was it? Never no, 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 Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think necessarily also that, that he was somebody who was thought he was untouchable to the point that he could do something like this. I think that it's, you know, we all have certain aspects of our personality, whether it's narcissism, sociopathy, whatever. And we have a choice with whether to get a handle on it or it gets carried away. And I think that that's kind of what happened maybe with, with, with Charlie is it's, um, you know, kind of like him saying to a million people, um, you know, well, I was going to get on TV, but it was, uh, you know, was it, or I was going to get you a hitman to buy a TV or whatever that thing was. I mean, the only reason why you would say that to many people is because it's kind of like a, like a, a machismo thing to do. Right. Did you ever hear that? Laugh. Did you ever hear that joke? No, I, I never did. No, I did not. But I heard like that it was told many times. Um, and it would make sense when somebody says a lot of things like that. It's, it, you know, it, it's one of those things that you don't think you're saying it because you're untouchable. You think you're saying it, it's like, it's a, you know, it, it makes you feel worth, you know, like importance, if that makes sense. I don't know. Well, Jay, what are they, what's the question? They say, what's the difference between a sane person and a psychopath? And I always say, well, it's that split second decision-making skill, like not to swerve into oncoming traffic or, not to put the pillow over their head when they're snoring, you know, what I mean? or something like. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, I mean. But well, we always like, have um, every Friday. We've got Phil Waters on, America's most respected detective, and he says, and I'm not saying this about Charlie because I think Charlie and the family have got some real deep seated issues. But he says any person is capable of committing an evil crime. It could happen in, in a moment of passion, uh, drag, drugs, sex, money, the three big motives. Um, Ryan, back to you. I'm curious what you think. So Jay called her grandma Gotti. A lot of people are referring to Donna Sue Adelson as such. We've seen, we've <laughs> seen <didn't> do- <laughs> yeah, grandma Gotti. Um, that's I in the chat a lot. <laughs> so we've seen two mug shots now. Do you think, do you think that Donna was kind of the puppet master? Do you think she was pulling the strings or do you think it could have been Wendy? What's your take? <laughs> I, I haven't, I- Yes, yes, I do. Um, but there's many different versions of that. Yes, Joel, I believe that Wendy knows exactly what's going on. I think almost in my little brain that Wendy's so intelligent, excuse me, that she planned all this to make it look because I don't know if there's any record of Wendy ever responding to these emails. He's just surely evil, just controlling and methodical emails that Donna sent over and over and over and over again. I mean, is there any response? That would be interesting. She's basically um, in a lot of ways been sort of silent through this and she is intelligent. We went to the same college, not to say that I'm intelligent, but we both went, both went to Brandeis, but um, I think she's smart and she's a lawyer. So I think she understood that aspect of it. I think what's probably absolutely eating away at her right now is her mom's arrest and then seizing that cell phone. 
Uh, Jay, did you ever meet any of the Adelsons personally? Did you ever go with Charlie, meet Donna, meet Wendy, meet any of them? So I, I met I met uh, Harvey and Donna like once at like uh, one of the Nova events, um, but I don't really remember them specifically. And I actually never met Wendy um, or Rob, um, and I knew that he did have a little sister, you know, that uh, a baby sister named Wendy, um, but. I, I'd actually never, uh, um, never met her. Um, but it, it's interesting how th- they're all played in, into a different light. And I'd love to know, obviously now that, uh, you know, Dan, what happened to Dan, um, it, it kind of like, you know, paints this tragic light on everything, but it's crazy when, when, you know, when divorce happens, um, the, the dark side of, of, of both parties can come out. And I, I'd like to see like where the truth, uh, like, and that would really kind of answer the question with the, is there anything to uh, Wendy kind of being an active participant and being kind of like the director of it or um, kind of saying, yes, mom, I agree with you. This needs to happen. Um, you to me, that's what seems more likely um, in terms of the way that she spoke and everything like that. And um, I think Donna was, I mean, uh, Wendy was obviously complicit in it. Um, there's no way you could not know. But um, she's like the Jewish princess. Um, I know a lot of them. I, mean, I grew up with a million of them. Um, and they're not all sociopaths. They just, they just look and sound like that. <laughs> By the way, um, Jay, that, for a Jewish guy, you, uh, you see the glass half full, and you were in the military. I'm impressed. Don't hear that every I, day. So kudos I, to you for your you service, service, by the way. Yeah. Um, Ryan. Did, I know I asked you this the last time, but refresh our memory. Did you ever meet Wendy? Did you meet Donna? Did you meet Harvey? Yes, on many occasions. Um, I was going to say something to add to Jay. There was a, uh, I think a Jeopardy. You know, Donna was on uh, Wheel of Fortune, wasn't Wendy on Jeopardy? And um, she was on one of them. I can't remember, but I know she yeah. was on a game show. And I think it was she Jeopardy. Said, she said you want to be a giraffe or whatever, but then. She also said that she was a contortionist. And it, I mean, it, like no pun intended, it's like she's contorted this whole thing and wrapped it around her bending through the truth. And I mean, ultimately it was it was eye-opening to see the type of financial situation that the Adelsons were in to make such a decision like this. And so, I mean, if you knock off, if Rob's out of the picture, Charlie's in prison for life, Donna's in prison now, and Harvey blesses heart whatever he's either next or he's gonna pass away from stress and so then who who's the beneficiary in all this well obviously it's going to be either wendy if you set up you know like a probate or a you know irrevocable trust it's going to be wendy the next one in line or benjamin and lincoln as it should be but maybe she contorted this whole thing and it fell into place just the way she wanted it to and i mean we say is she really is she really wiggling or that Donna's cell phone got done, I mean, or confiscated, but I mean, who knows? Maybe it's all part of her plan. I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah. I know it's reaching out there, but. And it's interesting uh, because we are what is considered to be, and I'm quasi, but normal people, they are thinking totally differently. So you don't know really what's going on in Wendy's mind. I mean, we hear about her throwing up at the table from nerves. I have got to think that she is incredibly uh, nervous. By the way, Ruth Markell kind of made a plea on our show on Wednesday that if anyone knows anything, and this is so sad, they don't really have contact with the grandchildren. 
So if anyone knows anything about the boys, Benjamin and Lincoln in South Florida, surviving the survivor at Gmail is our email. Please let us know. Uh, Ruth, Markel, and Phil don't even know if they're attending school at the moment. Obviously, it's been an avalanche of news, and you can only think that Wendy is a absolute mess mentally right now. Some people suggested that CPS go out there for a welfare check. Maybe law enforcement will hear this. Maybe they will do that. But uh, obviously, we're thinking about Ben and Lincoln. Ryan, you know, Jeff Lacoste, the former boyfriend, talked about how Wendy was like this mesmerizing person and he was under her spell. Did you see any of that? Like when you met her, were you like, whoa, she's, you know. Wendy is very, very attractive. She's very articulate, very well-spoken. I think there was a bit of a kind of looking down her nose at me, A, because I was Charlie's friend. And then B, just because of her level of higher education, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I didn't really get into a really in-depth in conversations with her. Um, one thing is interesting, though, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit. Sorry, I, maybe I drank too much Monster on the way driving It's here. all good, man. It's all good. I, uh, great. I had a call from someone in Tallahassee um, who I've kind of befriended or kind of just, you know, talk because we're all interested in this as, you know, for the same goals, obviously. Um, someone called me from Tallahassee and said, hey, do you know how Donna, part of the way that Donna was apprehended, and, and I might be misquoting this, or I'm not quoting, I'm just maybe t- saying this wrong, but he said that it was a tip from one of Charlie's friends that ran into them and I'm not going to name names, but it was interesting because the same person suspected of such had mentioned to me that one of their friends ran into Donnie and Harva, Harvey a week before the arrest and said they ran into him and they were just like, oh, you know, just going on vacation. We'll be back or something. And I kind of, you know, to me, it, I'm getting to the age where it's if it's suspicion is probably true. Yeah, and by um, by the way, uh, what you're talking about there is from this the uh, search warrant for the phone. What happened was they Donna and Harvey, according to the affidavit, they bought the plane ticket the day after the conviction of Charlie, and then had plans to leave the day before the grand jury was going to convene. So it was obviously an attempt. Um, it appears shouldn't say obviously, but it appears it was an attempt to get away right before the grand jury indictment. And Donna, according to this, went to a friend of Charlie's and was asking for information about things in Vietnam and kind of begged that person not to say anything to Charlie. And that person called authorities. But Ryan, you don't know who that person is or do you? (laughs) break it right here baby break it right here i'm not gonna throw this person on the bus they got enough issues in life or um can you tell us if it can you tell us if it's a male or a female well these days it's kind of hard to make that distinction um i'm gonna go with male (laughs) they identify as a male yeah they identify as a male okay so that's if by the end of the show um you want to tell us who that person is feel free to break that news on sts um 
I'm just sticking with Ryan for a second, Jay, because he met the Adelsons, and I want to hear a little bit more. And then we've got a, a whole bunch of questions, which we'll do in rapid fire, because Ryan has to eventually eat dinner. This is We're recording this um, around well past dinner on Wednesday night. Ryan, what was – everyone wonders about Harvey. What was your impression of Harvey? Harvey was – and i I got to tread lightly on my – uh, Jewish terminology. Um, I want to get oh, yeah. uh, Harvey was your typical South Florida Jewish guy, was successful, very kind of like kept to himself, very modest, very quiet. You know, he, he was very nice when you spoke to him directly, smiled a lot. I, I mean, this is mind boggling. I mean, obviously, I keep saying obviously, like I hate when people say literally too. Obviously, literally. Um, right, if you're saying it, it's obviously literal. <laughs> My personal pet peeve, me personally. I hate when people say that. It's redundant. But anyway, we digress for a moment. <laughs> it's go, irrelevant. Go yeah, go ahead. Irregardless, was it? Irregardless, yeah. Irregardless. yeah. No, I mean, but he was, was a nice guy. He seemed like he worked hard. He did well for himself and has provided a legacy to his family that maybe has turned out not to be the one that he wanted or intended, but, you know, it's... He um he looks kind of like a wallflower. So my father sadly passed away recently, almost 90 years old. But my mom is very vocal, outgoing. My father was had his very dry sense of humor, uh, kind of quiet. Would you say that like the juxtaposition of the was that similar personality wise? Was Donna Absolutely. much more like gregarious? Absolutely. She was the uh, the megaphone of the, the couple for sure. And I think that he just kind of went about that old creed that happy wife, happy life. I mean, he was kind of guy that kind of walked around like this and had his hands in his pockets and just, you know, like whatever. And maybe he should have stepped in a little bit more aggressively when this stuff, because this did, this isn't something that she woke up over bagels and locks and said, Oh, guess what we're doing today. You know, I mean, this, that's just not realistic the way it was planned out. I mean, it was the first trip was made in June. The incident happened in July. I mean, the, the fact that anybody would believe maybe you can't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, as Mr. Jansen would say, but you know, for a fact, the communication tree or train that they had, the murder train that they had, they all knew about this. I mean, there's no way they didn't know about it. I mean, there was I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred percent with you. And that's why I think Wendy is certainly, uh, was involved, and I think that uh, justice is going to catch up to her. The wheels do move slowly. Dr. J, so fast-forwarding to just a couple of weeks ago, Charlie Adelson's on trial, and that fateful day comes. He's convicted. First off, were you and your wife and people at Nova, were you guys glued to this trial? Were you watching it? Were you paying attention? Oh, yeah, man. It's streaming on for the kids to watch it. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I don't mean that in a... Uh, kind of a joking matter, but I mean, just because it's so surreal. I mean, um, I mean, every time, every day that we would watch, that's why I watch this show. I mean, my wife is a crime junkie. Um, and I hope she's watching SJ. I hope she's watching She, she goes to sleep to SCS every night, one ear earphone. Uh, you know, watch COE cut uh, that right now for a sizzle reel. COE, okay, go ahead, <laughs> love it. Um, and I mean, Easily, why I'm so fascinated with is number one, obviously knowing Charlie, um, and having him be just like kind of like on just this like parallel path of like this, you know, tight knit Jewish family and kind of similar to like where I come from and 
how all of a sudden I'm like, he's like, he's going to prison. Like, it's so weird. Like it's, um, and again, I don't mean to, to tread lightly on the actual uh, murder that happened, but to me, that's just like the surreal part about it is not only somebody that I know, but I'm like, it's so weird. Like he's not going to see, not going to just walk outside, go get like make pancakes or anything. Like it's so bizarre. Yeah. It is a very, it is, I'm sorry, Ryan. It's a very, very, very weird to me. I cannot wrap, by the way, I'm terrified of prison, but what I can't wrap my head around, like Donna Adelson, like there's a moment in life. It's like living and dying. You're here, then the next you're not, but there's a moment in life for these people where they took a step as a free person and another step, she was in custody, Donna, and she likely will never, ever, ever be free again. And if that's not a deterrent, I, I, it's it's why I can't wrap my head around people who commit these crimes. It's like, how do you not think about that? Um, Ryan, you obviously were focused on the trial because you were subpoenaed and you and you appeared there. Um, you didn't. I, what I sort of loved about it, and I said this before, you gave zero and it rhymes with ducks. Um, were you annoyed to be subpoenaed for this? Annoyed is it? It's not my right to be annoyed. Um, I just think about the Markells and those kids and not being able to see them. And I'm not trying to cry a river. I'm not close with them. I didn't know Danny. Just the thought of the disgusting act and these poor kids that you know have watched their elder elders be clicked off one at a time. You know, to Charlie, Grandma Donna, or Grandma Goobers, or whatever the hell they called her, and. <laughs> I just can't imagine. I mean, these boys are 13 and 14 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah, they talk about them like they're young, but they're old enough now, and they're yeah. very smart kids, which isn't surprising coming from Dan and Wendy. Um, was it? What was it like for you to literally sit across from your once good friend, who you're kind of an arch nemesis of now? Was it awkward? Was, did you guys? Did you guys make eye contact? How did that? Yeah, all a couple times. I mean, he had his little. You know, and I think part of the nail he put in his own coffin was his smirks and his piss poor posture and body language and smirks and smiles and, you know, like, mm, I didn't say that. And, I mean, there was part of me that looked at him and I looked at him with disgust. I'm here because of you, because your selfishness, because your mom, your family, and what you guys did. So, at first, there were thoughts, you know, flying up. I hadn't seen Charlie in years. and How am I going to feel? Or, oh, I Oh, I feel bad. He's going to prison. No, I didn't feel bad. And if you look at someone and you, I, I'm not qualified, obviously, to diagnose narcissism or whatever, but the fact that, that son of a bitch had the audacity to end his closing statement on trial for his life when Georgia Kappelman questioned, uh, didn't it true that you said this to Ryan Fitzpatrick? You can get away with anything. You can get away with murder if you keep your mouth shut. no. Ryan Fitzpatrick is someone who stole half a million dollars. What does that have to do with anything? The price of eggs in Vietnam, if you will, not even China. But <laughs> I mean, the fact that he's up there still defending himself, trying to disparage me. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder looking at him when I watched him testify, does he really think he's going to talk his way out of this? And I think he really did. I think he thought, he was going to get up, do his little dog and pony show like he did in undergrad in the fight, like he did in dental school to get into Perio, like he did in this relationship with this girl or this and that. And this and everything just came up working out for him. And 
I honestly think that he thought he was going to talk his way out of it. Yeah, he had uh, zero humility up there. I will say this. He was smooth on the stand, Dr. J. Uh, you know, he was very smooth. I could see, you know, how he could smooth talk women, things of that nature, why he might be a narcissist. But it was almost to his detriment because a lot of people say it was so smooth that it was basically rehearsed. Like at one point, he even knew a page number um, from, you know, the reports that he was basically reciting. What was your take when you watched him on the stand? Did you think the same thing as Ryan that he believed he was going to be able to sweet talk his way out of all of this. Well, I, I will say my wife is pretty savvy um, and she didn't know a whole lot of the background of the case, but I remember like after the first day, like her saying, um, she goes, I don't know, that's, this is an extortion thing. It sounds pretty, you know, he's got his stuff going on. And my wife is definitely is not a dumb person. And so it's interesting how she thought that. And because I did know, and I just was like, and again, I'm always glass is half full. Um, but as he was talking, and again, it's not, I'm not, um, again, it's not belittling the crime, but I'm just kind of that person that I want to give every, I want to, I want to give the benefit of the doubt to anybody because what we hear in social media and everything, you just never know. You got to make your own judgments. And as he was talking, you know, I'm putting myself in his shoes and I'm thinking to myself, I was trying to get out of it. Um, it's a very similar personality that I would have. I would have to, I would just make up something, right? And I would just always have an answer for something. But I would never admit that I was wrong. Um, I wish I was a good enough person to do that, but I, I probably am not. Um, and so as he's saying that, I'm like, this is exactly what I would say. Like, you know, if I was lying. Um, like there's always an answer for, there's a parallel universe. And to me, that was what, it's his, that was his own parallel. In, you know, you had to kind of step back and just, I'm sure like Ryan and everybody else saw like, there's just no way like this is, you know, of course, you know, and I thought Charlie would be smarter than that. Like what hitman killed somebody first. And then to me, after that, nothing else made sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. I, uh, I was in that gallery and I watched those jurors and I could tell they, they were reading right through them. There was one alternate juror who looked like, and it turns out there were reports that he and one other may have, um, may have come back with a verdict for uh, an acquittal, which would have hung the jury. But the jurors that I was looking at, you could tell they were no nonsense. Uh, the people at Tallahassee read right through that, which is a good thing. Ryan, this is sort of a minor thing, but it came up a lot, and it was sort of interesting. Charlie was had almost like um, a, a facial tick with his eyes, doing a lot of squinting, like a lot of this yeah. stuff. Uh, is that something that he had previously, or is that was that new to you? No, that's something that you do when you lie. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So you so you hadn't seen him. Never again. Yeah, it could be it could be medication. It could be a symptom of a medication. I don't know, but you you hadn't seen him with that facial tick. No, I've never seen that. I mean, it, I, I watched the body language experts or whatever, and it's you know I think that he was so rehearsed. That he was almost doing like breathing exercises to calm his heart rate down. And I think it was part of a like a, a self-soothing type thing, like when he would drink the water every time he got uncomfortable. But I mean the way I the way I I the way I took it in by watching him, and obviously I was in the courtroom and I saw the way he was acting, and I watched every second of it, and I've watched all of your podcasts and um I just think he came across as 
too good, insincere, rehearsed, misogynistic, and borderline offensive to people that do have a normal, non-obtuse way of thinking on a daily basis. Like, you know, there becomes a certain scenario, I guess, when people have so much money, they get removed from day-to-day realities. They get removed to from the things that normal people, I, I guess you say normal, that people deal with. You know, you don't know what someone's going through on a daily basis. You don't know what this person's dealing with. But I feel like because they had so much money and such a sense of entitlement that these, oh, like I would never have to deal with that. Or, I, I, you know, I can't, like walking into a restaurant, well, I don't wait in line or I don't do that, you know? And, it, and I feel like that's how he came across. And I feel like he spent, you know, just under 18 months reading every depot, reading every wiretap, reading everything, reading Rathbum's, you know, speech of independence or whatever that he probably prepared for him. And that's how it came across. It was kind of disgusting uh, to me. To by the way, did any of you know, if someone asked me, does anyone have any idea of the current state of the Adelson Institute? Are there boards up like a hurricane's coming or what's going on? Closed. Fine. Been closed, closed for years. Yeah. It has been closed for years. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Dr. J, you were going to say something. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that, you know, I thought that, that the, o- the only way that I think that he could have possibly, quote unquote, gotten off would have been if, like, let's say we would have to assume that, that he's a sociopath and that he just didn't have any emo- um, emotion towards the actual events that were happening, right? Because, and he showed that on the stand. And the only way that it would have worked would have been by actually actually being honest about that to the jury and saying, listen, I wish that I had more of an emotional response to my sister's ex-husband dying, but that's just not who I am. And this is tragic. And this whole thing's final up, you know what I mean? Where yeah. you kind of like show the real you that really kind of doesn't have that much happen. And he kind of, you know, kind of like Brian was saying, where he kind of sounded like a dick. Yeah. And like, you yeah, can't do that. Like, yeah. you know, I mean. By the way, a lot of people say that a much better defense, and I agree with this, would have been for Charlie to say, I hired these guys, but I only hired them to go up there and rough up Dan Markell. And it got out of control. He probably wouldn't be serving a life sentence. Um, and I'm curious why that was not the defense. Um, I think that would have, you know, benefited him, but he's getting what he deserves. So it's kind of a moot point. But I've gotten some messages about that. And I think that that's a really uh, valid point. Yeah. I have some. Go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, if you noticed, even before, I think it was George's. Uh, closing arguments or whatever when Charlie's writing the note to Rashbaum and he just didn't realize he was on mic and he's like enough like stop yeah, you, know? you gotta stop but it, yeah. there's an old there's an old saying it says like a a a person who represents himself has a fool as a client and it seems like the money man he who hath the gold maketh the rule that Charlie seemed like he was steering that rudder a little bit for that defense. And I think he almost sold Rashbaum or Rath, whatever Rashbaum on the fact that, hey, we can do this. And then he kept writing notes, writing notes. What the hell are you writing notes about? How guilty you look? Or, <laughs> or oh, say this. I about thought they were doing tic Yeah, well, Daniel Rashbaum has an open invite on the show because we want to hear all sides. So, Dan. Um, I think your wife listens. If she's listening or you're listening, surviving the survivor at Gmail, we're going to reach out and see if we can get you on the show. Maybe you can uh, 
enlighten us about that. I'm getting stressed because Ryan's a lot bigger than me and he needs to eat, but I want to go through a, a few questions um, right. before we before we let him go. Uh, that moment, Dr. J, where uh, the jury four person reads guilty and you see Charlie just, and he drops his head and says no, and he's handcuffed at that point, leg shackled. What went through your mind when you saw that? You know, I I just felt so bad for him. And I don't mean that in a way like he's innocent. I just, because I knew him then, and I'm like, what, what did you do to your life? Like, you know, and again, other lives too, but again, I'm just thinking in that immediate moment, I'm like, I just felt, I was like, God, I cannot imagine being, in it, you know, you know, as opposed to maybe knowing him and having all that thing and being like, you know, yes, he's gone. I just was, there was just a lot of sorrow for him and his family and the Markells and everything. It's not like something to be celebrated. It's just sad. He yeah, already knew uh, before they read the verdict, though. They had already moved his ties and shackled him. So, yeah, he did I, know. Ryan, what what was your reaction to seeing that? You know, at this point, that to be to make this selfish, and it's not about me, and I'm not trying to make anything about me. But you asked me how did I feel? I felt relieved. Finally, hopefully, I you know I never even could have imagined what would happen a, a week later with Donna, but. I was like, man, good. Can I move on with my life and have Charlie Adelson and that family be dead to me? But apparently, you know, who knows what the cards hold, but I, w- I was kind of relieved, like, good, finally. Yeah, and that's uh, pretty much what they're going to be to you, uh, whether you like it or not, because I don't think either Donna or Charlie are ever seeing the light of day. Again, I just cannot imagine that. I've got questions from SGS Nation. Let's do this kind of rapid fire. I'll alternate between you guys. Give fairly short answers, and we'll get through them, and then I'll let uh, Ryan go eat his giant steak. I feel like Ryan, he's got a little cat behind him. I feel like the guy should have a Rottweiler. <laughs> I got a little kitten that I rescued. No, I'm prepping food for tomorrow for Thanksgiving. Oh, for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. You didn't invite me, man. I'm not far. Here, here we. You have to invite my kids and my wife. But Natalie Maldonado. Uh, Jay, let's start with you here. Dr. Jay Lipoff. Why would Charlie ruin his life over his sister's divorce? Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I think that it was, um, he was getting important. He felt importance and, and, a, and a sense of uh, importance with the family. Um, I don't think it was doing something righteous as opposed to um, kind of just being untouchable and just one more thing in the, in the, in this like family hierarchy that uh, I've got the, I've got the means, I got the resources and I can do it. Ron Fitzpatrick, same uh, person, Natalie Maldonado. What do, what do you think of Wendy throwing him under the bus during the police interrogation? I think it falls exactly into what I was saying. The contortionist is importing. And I think she knew she they had a dialogue prior to that moment. Okay, it's action. It's, it's showtime, people. And I think she took another route and had a different plan, and from that second on, I think she planted the seed, which brings us to exactly where we are today. So, Very interesting, and she royally screwed her brother, if that's true. She just completely threw him under the bus. Um, Dr. J, knowing him, how mad do you think Charlie was at his sister for doing that, for throwing him under the bus? What do you think his reaction was behind closed doors? Well, I mean, if, 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 if the situation is like what Ryan was mentioning, that he knew that like that was kind of what was going to happen, 
Um, but I'll give the alternate scenario. And he was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, it's like, they're all family, but like, they're all in their own lane. You know, to me, that's, you know. got donuts this is obviously a really serious conversation but i like both these guys i'm glad that they had the courage to come on ryan fitzpatrick takes some heat from sts nation but he has the courage to come on here he testified against charlie you got to give the guy uh some credit question uh from got donuts who's up in canada following this case very closely for charlie's friend ryan fitzpatrick the moment that you learned that Dan Markell had been murdered, I think I asked you this a little earlier. This is phrased a little differently. When you heard about Dan Markell, did you suspect Charlie kind of out of the gates at that point? When I found out, I, I don't think it was until Sigfredo got arrested. And then it was like, bing, I've heard that name before. And then slowly, and then, of course, the day of, you know, Katie, once Katie got arrested, I was, <laughs> this is, you know, he's, he's wrapped up into something way over his head. And, and Ryan, what did you know about Sigfredo since you said you heard the name? What, what did Just, you know? Uh, the jet ski story that I testified upon. Um, mm-hmm. Charlie was with Katie taking the jet skis out. Sigfredo tried to run them off the road. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was 11 years ago or so 10 years, you know, I don't know, but I mean, that's all I know about him. But then, now I know obviously a lot more. Um, and he is Cuban. Yeah, there, there you go. There's been controversy over that. He's not a member. He was not affiliated with the Latin King, no. thing, but uh, Luis Rivera was. Did any of you, uh, Dr. J, let's go to you if you don't know this, Ryan probably will. Did you ever notice Charlie? Um, I'm not one to really ask about this. Was he a bit of a mama's boy? Was he speaking to her constantly? Uh, was she enmeshed in everything he was doing? Do you know anything about that, Dr. J? That would be Ryan. Ryan, what about his relationship with mommy? <laughs> this is a very touchy subject because I'm a mama's boy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you you I, are? They talked a lot. I mean, yeah, I talked to my mom. It's so my am I, man. That's why, hey, I'm single, you know, 40, 43 years old. I, no one can replace mom. So Get Ryan you know? a girl. Get, get Ryan a girl. But, uh, but <laughs> Ryan was. They talked a lot every day. She, you know, like I said before, she was like that Yinta mother talking a lot, kind of, you know, running the show. And But, back, you know, you never thought anything about it when you're just in passing. You know, now, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Um, what is Charlie's, this is again for Ryan, I'm sorry, Jay, but some of these you're just not going to know. Uh, but what is Charlie's relationship, another victim, Charlie's son? What is his relationship, if any, with the son he had? It's. I actually saw a picture of uh, his son today. Um, I think. I think. I think. In his heart, he wanted to be what maybe he could have been if he wasn't a lying murderer. Um, I think he had just too much going on at the, you know, to be a father. Um, you know, I wish the the kid the best of luck. Roman, uh, I wish his baby mama the best of luck. Um, you know, it sucks. I mean, he's, he's there's a lot of people. Do you uh, talk to her at all? No, I, I don't want to be inappropriate. I don't, I don't know. I don't really okay. have anything to say. Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, Pinky here, uh, Dr. J, for you. Um, 
I, I know you lost touch with them, but they're asking, would you still be friends with him? Would you talk to him after his arrest? Um, would you visit him in jail? How about any of these questions? So I'm a little strange. And um, like, I, I would because I, just to like, it'd be, it would be like, why would I want to like see a, you know, a serial killer in jail to interview them? Like, I'm just fascinated with like human behavior, but knowing him, the fact what I knew him back then, um, just to kind of like see where his mind's at. Um, and, uh, you know, and once again, it's because, you know, he's the first person of anybody that I've, that I've ever known that has been involved in something so severe and so significant and somebody who was not always like that, me or rather outwardly like that. Um, there are people that I've known that have always been bad people. And yet this happened and it's like, oh, this could be me. Like not literally, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, from a similar yeah. background. And it's, so it, it's, um, rela it's relatable in a very weird way. It's, um, yeah. you know, and it's scary because it makes you wonder like what makes people cross that line. Charlie would have the answer to that. Um, Ryan, to you, was Charlie the kind of guy that would ever smile at a stranger? This is from Kim Miller or tip. Well, I can't imagine him being kind to anyone that didn't suit his needs. <laughs> Was he, he a was, crappy tipper? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not falling into your trap, Joe. <laughs> don't say anything, Ryan. Ryan, don't, don't say anything. <laughs> I don't want to um, be a giant turkey this close to Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'll don't do that. that. Um, I just feel bad because some of these questions. Hey, I'm Jewel, and I tip really well, so. <laughs> there you go, Dr. J. You're the man. 30% at least. There you go. There you go. Standing up for the tribe. Did anyone think that he may have had anything to do with it beforehand or once people got arrested? Jay, how about you? Ryan kind of spoke to that already. Did you have an inclination once things started to evolve in the news that, hey, Charlie is in on this? Yeah, so um, I, not taking into account, like, the, the way that I, I knew him before, but they were just kind of, like, generic people, like John Doe, Dane Doe, and this person did this. Um, I mean, immediately, I'm like, that's it. They're involved. Like, there's no way that they're not, period. Um, and yes, as soon as there was a, I mean, as soon as there was a connection between, say, Brandon and this and that, it wasn't, had nothing to do with me liking or disliking Charlie. I'm like, that's it. Like, it's Occam's race. Um, and then I moved on with my day. But to me, it was, and it had nothing to do with his personality. It was just, that's just what makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Jay, I'm with you. I'm just like, very intrigued again by how anyone could get to this point and actually carry this out but it happens sadly all the time uh this is from year of the metal rooster for ryan did you ever hear him ask if he could rough people up that's one question ryan was that is that a yes or a no ask me to rough people up no no if he was ever asking hey do you did he ever come to you and say hey do you know anyone that i could get to rough up somebody no um and do you know what uh, is the beef with his brother. It seems like he really does not like Rob Adelson. Rob Adelson, of course, is the estranged sibling who has nothing to do with the family. Uh, what do you know about that situation? He probably the only one with any sense. Hmm. That's, I mean, obvi obviously, he took off, and or I hate to put it that way, derogatory. He made a conscious decision to separate himself from a bunch of crazies, and it's, it looks like the right decision to me. 
Ryan, I'm going to get you in trouble again from Max Esquire. Uh, was Charlie the guy that would pick up the bar tab at the end of the night when you're in the Philippines and that $5,000 check, which is in Filipino money, is like 25 cents? Uh, would he pick up the check or would he run the other way? He'd pick up the check and then he'd send you a bill a week later. <laughs> uh, he doesn't take credit cards. That's what he said on the wiretaps about Casually. dealing steroids. Um, Dr. J, is Charlie as annoying in person, like the know-it-all kind of guy, any good qualities besides thinking that he is funny? So, I, I mean, I do remember like back back in the day, like if I ever did, and again, it was, um, I was definitely not a, um, a foe of his. Um, we weren't best friends, but we were definitely, you know, classmates and, fr and, and friends and friendly. If I ever asked him for anything, whatever, like he, he would never be, selfish about it or whatever so i'm not saying he was outwardly giving but i don't remember him being kind of like like if he had notes he would share them with me um when you know <laughs> well he never really had notes but if he did <laughs> uh, so if the um it, you know and, and he never like i said and he never outwardly showed you know anger but to me yeah you're right it was all kind of surface like he was just fun to hang out with and um uh, and again, because I was the guy, I was the guy hanging out. It may have been a much bit different story if he was, you know, for the girls that he dated and things like that. Um, you know, I think that, uh, yeah. A few more questions. DL seven seventeen. Had you ever trusted him prior to the murder? This is kind of an interesting question here, Ryan. Basically, the question is, how have you processed the fact that you were friends with such a crooked guy, and has this? led you to question your own ability to judge character and trust others? Has it affected you in that way? Uh, I wouldn't say that. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, it's definitely affected me. And I, and I always tell people, um, you know, it's not necessarily what someone does to you. It's almost the cause and then the effect. Because the action is one thing. You can get over humility of being his friend. You can get over anger of this and that. But it's like, okay, well, because of something they did that affected my life and so many other people's lives in such a negative fashion, well, this happened because of that. Or the lawsuit happens because of that. And I lost relationships because of this. You know, I mean, and, and I, hate, I hate to make it about me, but he asked in the question, he asked me, um, obviously there's more important people and, and, and lives that were affected because of this heinous act. But yeah, it's, I mean, there's been a lot of aspects of my life that have not been pleasant due to my relationship with Charlie and the family. So. Uh, same question to you, Dr. J, and we're going to start to wrap up, I promise. But Dr. J, do you question yourself now about the, you know, ability to judge people's character? Do you look at people a little more differently when you meet them? Uh, you know, I think when I look at, the at Charlie's situation, um, it's pretty congruent, not in terms of the the kind of that above and beyond personality that he always had. And it went totally south instead of, you know, not in such a negative nice cat, by the way, right? Mm. Um I'm allergic so to looking at it. It's not like a total surprise that like he was like hiding doing doing this. You know, it was uh um like I said. If anybody that I knew from dental school would know somebody that would know Hitman, it probably would be him. Like, and I don't mean that because like he's the devil and what he did was not good. But what I mean is that his person, like, how would he know these people? Like, 
you know, um, as opposed to him being somebody who like was arrested for being a child molester and out- outwardly he, you know, was doing something that was literally completely the opposite. He was a rabbi or he was a daycare worker or whatever. Um, and he was doing something that was just totally under the umbrella of everybody else, like pulling it under the covers. This was that it wasn't that he was pulling it under the cover. It was kind of, um, it, 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 it was such a ridiculous thing that like could happen. And it's, he was, he was kind of this like, um, above and beyond personally, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know. Ronaldo Johnson, this question is for Ryan. One more question after this, and we're going to wrap. This is for Ryan. Did Charlie's business and income decline as the Markel murder story became more mainstream? His friend, Ryan Fitzpatrick, claimed he had a significant decline in income and had to fake a disability claim to supplement his income. Can you speak to that, Ryan? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the case. I think I talked about it on podcast with you previously you know i mean it was all but what's interesting about someone with a personality about charlie and you realize you know retrospect if you're looking back it's easier to evaluate a situation than to be in the situation obviously um obviously literally <laughs> but <laughs> yeah he 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 would mastermind these concocted harebrained plans in his head but then he would tell you 900 times about it to the point to where he believed it. Like he really honestly believed it. And he would be like, I'd be like, Oh man, what's going on? Oh, my back hurts so bad. Oh, I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, but he, it, it was like really the selling it became the belief. So uh, I yeah. think we know the answer to this one. Ronaldo uh, is asking, did Charlie have a particular type? Seems he had a preference for Southeast Asian girls. Is this true? Sure. Sure. It was most good answer. Yeah. Um, what was, if you supported Charlie, this is the final question for both of you. And we'll go to uh, Ryan first. If you initially supported Charlie's innocence, this is from Shannon. Uh, Shannon Threads, if you initially supported him, what made you change your mind? What was the last straw? Well, there wasn't a last straw because we're still dealing with it. But I think the day, like I said earlier, that Katie got arrested and I was there, I went, yep, I was like, you next. Mm. And uh, I lied. Last question from Adam Alone, who calls me Rims. Uh, and he wants to know, uh, Dr. J, when did them red flags first appear for you? Uh, it obviously happened after your time in dental school, but when did those red flags go up? Uh, at what point in this public, very public saga? Uh, I think, well, when all the pieces started coming together um, and uh, me just kind of looking at it and saying, you know, that this very easily can happen to a, a lot of people. I could, I could, I could relate to it. And really just the fact that everything was connected, regardless of what he said, regardless of anything else, you just looked at the pieces. And what's so interesting is if I look at like on a parallel aspect, my, my life, if I wasn't married and I didn't have kids, would I make a lot, would I be more apt to make some decisions that are not in my best interest? Absolutely. And, and being married with kids, 
makes it much easier to make right decisions and not to think about it. And I wonder with Charlie, the fact that whether it was like selling steroids or doing things that could really get him in trouble and make him lose money or lose a business or, or lose his life. The fact that he, nobody, nobody, you know, he didn't have a five-year-old, but it was like he had a whole family that he knew was counting on that or he, he or he actually didn't conceptualize that, that, oh, I have a five-year-old. Like it was his own universe and that was it. Uh, two guys who do not need steroids, Dr. Jay Lipoff and Ryan Fitzpatrick, both ripped naturally. Um, listen, we reached out to other friends to come on. No one wants to talk. It's very understandable. God, I've gotten a lot of emails from people who knew Charlie and knew the Adelsons, uh, and they're they're great people. Uh, they just don't want to speak publicly. So you got to give these two kudos for coming out and talking publicly that way. Uh, the world gets to know the story. You get a, p a better picture of Charlie Adelson. Some people have asked me, would you interview Charlie Adelson? I would. i probably bring up Ryan and Dr. J with me. We sit there in that state prison that he's going to be in for for the rest of his life. And uh, we would uh, ask him the exact same question that Phil Markell posed on the show Wednesday night, which is, was it all worth it? That's the question that Dan Markell's father uh, asked. It was really difficult to hear that, but kudos to Phil Markell. It is Thanksgiving weekend. Have a very, very uh, happy Thanksgiving. I want to give you each a, a last comment. Ryan Fitzpatrick, your last thought real quick before you go and uh, you make your Thanksgiving dinner. I would like to thank you um, and the previous panels for having me on, for giving me an opportunity to speak of how this affected my life. I'd like to say happy Thanksgiving to the Markell family who might actually be able to give a little bit of thanks this year, uh, get a little bit of peace, a little bit of closure and the starting the new year. Thanks Jay for coming on and talk to me, Joel and Carm. Love you guys. Got to thank you for the show. Uh, the COE, <laughs> your wonderful wife and, uh, to everyone out there, happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, thanks for the time. Ryan. Thank you. Final thoughts, Dr. Jay Lipoff. Uh, just like Ryan said, thank you uh, for having me on and uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody and um, especially to the Markells and condolences to, uh, to the Markells and also just a lot of sympathy for everybody uh, involved um, because it's just a really, it's just a really sad story that, uh, that unfolded that, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's just really sad. Super tragic all the way around. You've got uh Dan Markell's children, Ben and Lincoln. You've got Charlie's child. You've got Katie McBanawa's children. Um, it's a mess. I think Luis, Luis Rivera has kids. All these kids are victims of this. Quick programming note. Got to figure out a show for Monday. The work never stops here at STS. Tuesday, we are going to carry the Alec Murdoch sentencing live with commentary from Tim Jansen and Taylor <coughs> Bell, a lawyer in South Carolina who is running for state attorney taylor bell is a great guy so is tim jansen we're going to have a live coverage of the sentencing where alec murdoch is expected to be skewered uh during victim impact statements again we will carry that live tuesday morning follow me at podcast sts on twitter for the show times at surviving the survivor on instagram if you want to see every time Carm facetimes me all i see is the ceiling and i post those photos every single time until then Happy Thanksgiving. Love you, America. Love you, Tallahassee. Love you, Kentucky. And love you, Florida. Love you, America. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... 
the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.